0: In 2006, while studying at Federal Government College, Lagos, I was in GSS3 at the time, I argued with my roommate, Chike, that the full form of his name was incorrect. He was giving us a gist about the origin of his name, and said the full form of his name, Chike, was Chikelo. I argued with him and said no, that the correct full form of his name should indeed be Chikeloa. Hi, I'm Chuka, welcome to Adjunct. Today, we'll briefly discuss the illusion of certainty and what it means or doesn't. Before I start, let me address something real quick. I talk really fast. At least I've been told that I talk really fast. As a result, I often get complaints about people who are unable to keep up with the pace of my speech. So for this podcast, I'll try my best to slow it down. Once in a while, nature may have its way. And I may talk too fast. And yes, that may mean that you will need to rewind a few seconds to hear the thing I said very clearly. I apologize in advance for that. Or alternatively, in trying to not talk too fast, I may talk too slowly. Well, I believe you have a few extra seconds, or I hope you can make a few extra seconds to wait for when I talk too slowly. That being said, I'll start. You see, I'm a very curious person. I know I'm curious. I've been told that I'm curious. Often, it frustrates my friends and acquaintances because I ask a lot of questions. I like to clarify and clarify and over-clarify. Well, I guess that's the weakness part of it, you know, because it means people sometimes get frustrated with the number of questions that i ask but i think it's also a strength because it's the reason i'm so good at what i do yeah i think i'm good at what i do actually i know i'm good at what i do because you know numbers don't lie i get good results and everyone won't be lying at the same time right because i also get good compliments anyway this episode is not about how good tricker is it's about Answers and questions and certainty or uncertainty. We often think answers are a response, are a necessary response to questions. We often think that every question needs to have a correct or incorrect answer, you know, right or wrong. Cool, blame us, that's how we're, that's how we thoughts growing up. You know, in examinations, You answer the questions and you're graded according to how correct or how close to correct or accurate your answers are. So we grew up expecting that there's a right and a wrong, correct and incorrect. But as as I've gone through life so far, of course, my very short life so far, I've begun to question that fundamental assumption that there's right and wrong, that there's correct and incorrect. I'll give some examples as to why I've begun to question them. And I think the very first one is um, captured in the words of the poet, Percy B. Shelley. He said something I found really profound. He said, the more we study, the more we discover our ignorance. Trying to break that down a little bit more, I think what it really means is You know, before we study, we think we know a lot of things. Think of anything. You know, we think we understand something until we begin to study it. And then we realize how many layers there are to it and how how much there is to know that we don't yet know. And as we continue to unveil layer upon layer of information about that thing, we realize how much we really did not know before and that realization kind of makes us understand that if we didn't know so much before and we thought we knew so much then there's so much more that we don't know even with how much we know I think it's even better captured in the Dunning-Kruger effect which states that um, people with low abilities often overestimate their abilities and people with high abilities often underestimate their abilities and it makes sense if we assume that all the potential abilities add up to, say, hundred, for instance, and we did not know that the total is hundred, you know, total is unknown. At the beginning, when you know just one or two things of the hundred, it's easy to think you know it all because you don't know what the total is. However, when you start to know, start to learn about maybe five, ten, fifteen, Suddenly you realize how dumb you were in thinking that knowing one or two were sufficient when you really think about it this phenomenon makes sense humans evolved from homo sapiens and australopithecus africanos hunter-gatherers all of that to where we are today And if you think about our evolutionary journey, I think it's easy to see why we evolved to demand certainty from answers. Because back in the day, as hunter gatherers, you need certainty to survive. You need to know that this fruit or this leaf doesn't kill. You need to know that this animal is friendly and the other one is not. Because uncertainty means risk, and risk means potential death. If you go to play with a bear, without being sure that the beer is safe to play with, then you die. You eat a berry, without being sure that this berry is healthy, but the berry is not poisonous, you die. So because the consequences were so grave, we demanded, vehemently demanded certainty. It was a necessary survival skill. Our lives depended on it. However, nowadays, our lives don't depend on certainty as much. Well, unsurprisingly, we still have the same primitive evolutionary brain, which has morphed from this idea that certainty equals survival. And because we are evolved in this way, it makes sense to realize how fixated we are with certainty how much we always want to be certain, how much we want to be sure, how much we want to ensure that we are sure about something. Interestingly, I think nowadays, certainty is a lot worse than uncertainty. Well, I think it's clear enough that uncertainty doesn't mean, doesn't mean death as it, as it meant back in the day. But even beyond that, Uncertainty means experimentation, means potentially learning new things, good or bad. Certainty means status quo, means plateauing, means remaining on the same level, at the same level. And I think if I ask most people what the better option would be between remaining at the same level or experimenting, the answer will be pretty obvious. The world we have today, the world we live in right now, was only made possible through the experimentation of many others before us. It's experimentation that made us have the airplane, the car, even the horse to ride on. It's experimentation that is currently making space travel more and more possible. That is making us have an immensely powerful computer in our hands as our mobile phones. Experimentation is what runs the world. And experimentation is really the acceptance that we don't know it all. The acceptance that even the things we think we know, perhaps we don't. Experimentation is the acceptance of questions over answers. Experimentation is a stance that by default we are wrong. I would like to explore that stance in more unconventional ways, in more unconventional scenarios. There are a couple of examples that I would like to give as ways of thinking about our stance uncertainty or uncertainty and answers or questions. And I'll start with the story of Chike and the full meaning of the word, Chike. Chike is my elder brother's name. More accurately, Chike is a short form of my elder brother's name. His full name is Chukwungwege, which means God is all-powerful. God is omnipotent. Chike. I argued with back then in GS for a second term, my classmates. His full name, well according to him, is Chikelu. And according to me at the time, is Chikelowa. Both names means mean almost the same thing. Chikelu means God created. Chikelowa means God created the world. Am I wrong? Was I wrong? Is he wrong? Are we both correct? After all, don't they mean the same thing? God created. God created the world. However, back then, I had a need to be right. I used to argue a lot. I used to read a lot. As a result of my vast reading, I thought I knew a lot. And I wanted to share this many things that I knew with others. And this led to me arguing about things, you know, trying to make my points known. Trying to make my stance clear. Thankfully, as I've learned more and more things, I've realized how little I knew. How little I knew. And how much there inevitably is to learn and this has made me less likely to argue and more likely to listen because then I can learn. I'll give another example. The example of the evolution of transportation. You know in the days of the hunter-gatherers, humans walked everywhere. It made sense. We have these legs are immensely strong and powerful. They are there for locomotion. Makes sense. It was a natural thing. It was a normal thing. It was the correct thing. It was the right answer. Until well, some people discovered horses, and donkeys, and asses, and realized that with these animals, ah, I missed out the camels. It was possible to walk. to travel for even longer distances with less efforts. And suddenly, animals became the de facto way of transportation. It was perhaps this way for a very long time, until Harry Ford, God bless his soul, discovered the possibility of automobiles. And once again, humans realized that there was a better way. Cars. Well, I guess we all know the story of the Wright brothers and how they discovered the airplanes, which were an even better way. And now, maybe you have, maybe you haven't heard of the boring company which Elon Musk is running to drill tunnels through cities where I'll call them vehicles can travel at near sonic speeds, at near the speed of sound between major cities. Well, the point is, at each point in time, people felt confident that they knew how transportation should work or how transportation worked. Yet, at significant intervals through our human history, we have proven time and again That our conventional understanding of transport was wrong. That our correct answer was indeed incorrect. Another interesting question regards the planetary status of Pluto. Is Pluto a planet? Well, even astronomers aren't sure of the answer. Pluto has moved from planet to non-planet So many times, in debates, and arguments, well, now I think, officially, it is designated as a dwarf planet, which means it's not a planet, but a significant portion of the scientific community still argue that it should be a planet. Well, does it matter? I guess you can say that it does matter, that liberals are a good thing. But the mere fact and there is an ongoing debate which has been ongoing for decades by the way about the planetary status of pluto i think is one of the most evident proofs that certainty is an illusion because the goalposts keep moving the criteria keeps changing at the end of the day does it really matter the end of the day Pluto is Pluto regardless of what category placed in planet or not we can learn about Pluto regardless yeah this is not to discount the need for categorization you know for formatting things appropriately for arranging things according to like however I believe there should be room for more than sets categories, for more than the right sessions, rights being in quotes. In the words of Risutherland, a VPA to Gilvi, he said Artificial certainty is much less valuable in digital age, but surprisingly, we seem to cling to it more. When you think about that, why do we cling to artificial certainty so much more? And why is it much less valuable in digital age? Well, in business, it makes sense. When you think about it, most marketers, well, because I'm a marketer, so I think I understand marketing in more than many other industries. Most marketers tend towards what they know, towards proofs. Towards set standards because it's easier that way. When you're using the right standard, the best practice, and things go wrong, you're not blamed. You know, you did everything right. You use the the right standard. You use the best practices, and unfortunately, things went wrong. But if you veer from best practice and things go wrong, of course you have all the blame. Because the first question will be, why did you not use the best practice? And it makes sense. Best practice is best practice for a reason. Because it has been used over and over. And it has proven to be successful much more often than not. So it makes sense for everybody to use best practice. But therein lies the disadvantage. Everyone is using it. So where is point of difference where do we stand out if these best practices are available to all and we're all using them then we all end up creating the self-fulfilling prophecy however especially in the days of the digital age where we can test things much more affordably and with much less impact just imagine if we potentially tested something and for whatever reason it works, imagine what the upside could be. And because we're in a digital age where it's so easy to test, even if it doesn't work, the downside cannot possibly be that bad. I'll give examples. It's for instance a website. Well, in a typical websites, everything from the font type so the font size, to so the colors are often tied to some best practice. We know that red is the color of danger, also the color of hunger. We know that yellow is the color of joy. Blue is for calm. Silver or ash or gray is for creativity. So we have all these best practices. We have all these things we've learned. And naturally, we gravitate towards them. We create our website with these best practices. We position the the text from left to right. At the right size, we use one call to action. Make it conspicuous. We centralize it. But then everybody does the same thing. We all get value from it, but we all get similar value. In the world of AB testing, it's so easy to just move your call to action slightly to the right or to the left. To change the color. To not use red and yellow fast-food joints, to try black for instance, or whatever else. If it feels as easy as reverting the landing page to the, former, to the former landing page. But what if it succeeds? If it succeeds, the upside can be immense. Of course, this is not to say that we should go about changing everything about everything. There's still the place for branding. There's still the place for consistency. But I posit that there's also the place for experimentation a bit more than we are used to. There's a place for accepting uncertainty. There's a place for I don't know. Because there's actually more that we don't know than that we do know. I put it that it's impossible to be really certain about anything. At the very best, we can know the current best explanation about something. But that's it, the current best explanation. And by definition, current best explanation is that current. It's not the future best explanation. It's not the best explanation. It's just the current-based explanation. And I wonder if there isn't more room for us to accept, at the very least, accept for starters the possibility that those things we think we know May be wrong. That maybe we don't know just as, as we do, but as soon as we thought we do, we did. That maybe, just maybe, despite the fact that we're seeing a six, the author meant to write a nine or vice versa. I hope we will consider the possibility that maybe, Aren't seeing the true picture, the true reality of situation, and circumstances. Because at the end of the day, it appears that we are all wearing colored glasses. And neither of us knows for sure the color of our glasses. Thank you. I really appreciate you taking this time to listen to me, Riff. However, I don't intend to be the only voice on this podcast. I hope that you can send in questions, comments, or predictions, and this section is meant to take care of those. To kick things off, I'll start with a prediction on my own. There are many new entrepreneurs who run online businesses where they make and sell clothes, make food shoes, etc. I think many of them will close up. I think there will be a massive consolidation in the next one to two years. We are a select few will grow big and swallow up the rest. The reason is that many of these businesses don't offer anything different. They don't offer any differentiated service or solution, but offer many of the same things. While these things are valuable, the value is limited. As a result, a few of them who are lucky, I guess, or who have significant reach, will be able to capture the majority of the value, thereby consolidating around the rest, swallowing them up. And those ones will either be forced to join up with the big ones or completely go out of business and pivot into something else. To send in your questions, or comments, or predictions, please click the link in the show notes. Thanks for listening. I hope you enjoyed it. If you did, please share with some friends. But if you didn't, please tell me why and share with some enemies. See you next time.